0: Welcome to the Good Listening To Show on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. The feel-good show that brings you The Clearing, where all good questions come to be asked and all good stories come to be told. And where all my guests have two things in common. They're all creative individuals and all with an interesting story to tell. There are some lovely storytelling metaphors, a clearing, a tree, a storytelling exercise called 54321, some alchemy, some gold, some Shakespeare, and a cake. So, yes, who are you? What's your story? And what life's lessons learned along your way would you like to share with us? So, welcome to a GLT with me, CG. See what I'm doing there, and we're recording. And we're in and recording. Welcome to a particularly exciting episode of The Good Listening To Show here on UK Health Radio. And it's my absolute pleasure to welcome someone who I was very, very excited to talk to, having met her just about three or four weeks ago. But this is Kate Russell in The Good Listening To Clearing. Hurrah.
1: Good morning, you're, Chris.
0: You're very welcome, Kate. And you are a very, very experienced, Um, I've I, pegged you as being a bit of a global ambassador because you've had 30 <laughs> years of being in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, you're also a resilient specialist. You work for a wonderful company that uh, I'm connected to as well now called Two, which is very sort of Jules Verne and Phileas Fogg. And also you were an ex-CEO of Pilgrim's Hospices as well. And I was particularly excited to talk to you because there is a a sort of legacy life reflections thrust to the Good Listening To show as well, because we get into a bit of Shakespeare and we talk about legacy and how you'd most like to be remembered. So you're very, very welcome. My first question to you, Kate, is how's morale and what's your story of the day?
1: Morale is very good because I feel that we have lots and lots of reasons to be celebrating because we can now start doing things that the rest of the world can't. And we should accept that as a huge privilege and make the most of it. Don't be foolish, but make the most of it. So it's very much around the planning ahead now. I'm I'm already thinking, I can't wait to spend time. I'm spending next weekend in a bubble with my grandsons and I can't wait. And they've said that, um, and this was a funny conversation with them this morning. It was, if I am going to go over, I've got to make sure I bring Oprah, which is, their granddad. And it's the idea of me having to physically take Opa with me. Don't forget. I'll leave him by the door so I don't forget to take him because <laughs> my grandsons are desperate that we turn up as a package.
0: <laughs> and he's called Opa, did you say?
1: Opa, yeah. We we. My first grandchild was born while we lived in Holland uh-huh. and they call their grandfathers old pa, which is Opa in Dutch. So he really took to that term. So he's been known as Oprah ever since. So we've got four grandchildren and uh, they all have an Oprah instead of a grandpa.
0: I love that. I've never heard it couched as Oprah. So what a lovely thing that you and Oprah are both. And what's your name, Kate, in the same?
1: Oh, I go with my Irish roots. I'm Nana.
0: Nana and Oprah. I love that. In fact, in our family, I'm known as, well, my kids call me Doddy because. Oh, Doddy. Oh, Doddy, oh, Doddy, oh, Doddy. So I'm going to be Grand Doddy, I think. And it's just a quirk. I mean, it, I think no other family's got that on the planet. But when did you last see your, your grandchildren?
1: Um, must have been before Christmas. Wow. So it's been a long, long time. That's been the longest it's ever been.
0: And in the history of the world today, it is the 17th of May as it happens. So this is the day historically in the UK where things begin to open up again. And as you say, it is an opportunity and a bit of a a carpe diem, but with caution. Wonderful. So um, if I may, I'm going to bat you along the storytelling metaphors of The Good Listening To Show and podcast, of which the, the show is a component part. So first of all, we'll talk about a clearing. Then it's all to play for because there's a tree. There's some apples that get shaken out of the tree. There's some alchemy, some gold, some Shakespeare, as promised, and a multi-layered cake that you get to put a cherry on the cake. I love
1: end. this whole concept.
0: But it's all very, very exciting. And in, in, our, in the conversations we've had so far, you're such a natural storyteller that I was very, very excited to talk to you. That's so there the Irishness. A, <laughs> yes, the crack and the Irishness is what we're after, which is great. And you've got a Dutch connection as well, I was hearing as well, because of Oprah. Lovely. Um, So what is a clearing like for Kate Russell? Where do you go to get clutter-free, inspirational, innovative and to get some oxygen blowing between your, your brain cells?
1: Maybe a cliche, but it's the open beach. It is where the sky and the sea meet, where I can just stand. And that, for me, is where I feel I can take air in. When we were living in the southeast of England, I used to end up in Brighton. Mm -hmm. because there was something about early mornings on the beach and you can just and obviously it's still something that I look at with this picture and thing so it is the sea it is a seascape open skies open sea that makes me feel calm and also gives me a sense of the scale of the universe so I get perspective
0: I love that. And I thought of faulty Towers, as you mentioned that, the idea of where the view is between the sky and the sea. So it's very, it's it's not John Cleesey at all, because it is, it's a beautiful beach, Brighton, very pebbly, isn't it, in Brighton?
1: It is, yes. It's not something that you can um, walk on easily. It's not like beach that's got the flat sands, but yes, it was the closest one I could get to.
0: And you've lived and worked all over the world, I'm gathering, but I like the fact that you've been very specific about your geography. Would you like us to go to Brighton Beach or you can go to whichever beach you like for the metaphor of what we're exploring?
1: Um, Actually, I preferred the beaches in Holland because they were more um, deserted and open. It was was quite a uh, bleak but inspirational space. So I did prefer the beaches on that side if it's sort of a mental picture of beach,
0: Lovely, so if I may, with your permission, I'm going to join you on your very peaceful, but the wind may be whistling through or not.
1: Yep, it was, it was always cold and windy. (laughs)
0: We like cold and windy. So I'm arriving with a tree now. It's quite sort of waiting for god Oesque. esque I arrive with this tree and I'm <laughs> going to shake your tree to see which storytelling apples fall out. And this is where you were kind enough to agree to prepare a lovely, juicy storytelling exercise, which is called 54321, where you've had uh, five minutes at uh, Kate Russell. And by the way, you spell your name beautifully as well. It's not Kate with a K, it's Kate with a C. Yep.
1: That was because I'm Catherine with a C. So I think it was just the simplicity of it didn't occur to me that Kate was spelt with a K because I never thought of myself as Catherine with a K.
0: (laughs) And uh, Kate with a C at the C in in Holland now. So with the tree, uh, it's uh, four things that have shaped you, three things that inspire you, Two things that never fail to grab your attention, which is a bit of a "hoot squirrels moment borrowed from the film Up. I don't know if you've seen that and you know what I'm talking about, where a dog just gets hoot distracted by squirrels. For me, it's stuff like ping pong tables, never cease to grab my attention. And then one quirky or unusual fact about you that we couldn't possibly know until you tell us. So uh, don't panic, Mrs Mainwaring. Wearing. You don't have to shake all the tree in a wanna. They're your apples to crunch along as we enjoy your moment here in the clearing, sharing your stories under the tree.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just really getting into it because I like visualizing. So I'm walking along now and we're talking. So if I start with things that shaped me, um, I was, as a child, very skinny with frizzy red hair. You wouldn't think so now, but this is the modern technology stuff going on here. (laughs) So I would have frizzy white hair now, but originally it was frizzy red hair with freckles. And I had a freaky ability to read before I went to school. And by the time I got to school, I could read and recite. And that made me different. And as I learned at school, if you're different, it leaves you open to teasing and some bullying. And funnily enough, the bullying was from a teacher rather than my fellow pupils. Wow. And I didn't realise it was bullying, but as an adult, looking back, I realised that was strange. But the advantage to it is when you find yourself different, or when I found myself different, um, it took me a while, but I then realized that there was actually a certain freedom in being different, because people expected you to be odd. So when you were then odd, it didn't really matter. That was sort of you could get away with it. So I embraced the being a bit geeky and a bit sort of odd. So that was the First time I was aware of having a cause-effect type um, impact. So, so embracing
0: the maverick is what I'm hearing there. Yes, and very very, much so. And very odd that it should be, you know, a responsible adult in inverted (laughs) commas is the one doing the bullying.
1: Absolutely, and I won't mention names, but she holds a specific um, place because. Obviously, much later in life, I've done a lot in psychology, and I realise that I now use her as a way of signalling to myself: "Uh oh, here we go." Ah. That behaviour, I've seen this before, wow. and it no longer is my responsibility to sort out. I leave it at their door. So it was something that's—it's had a lifetime impact. It took a long, long time to work its way through as being beneficial.
0: So there's a confidence mantra that's devolved from quite a dark experience, but what sort of thought process runs through your mind? You don't have to mention names, but it's very interesting, isn't it, the impact that we have. We have to be careful what we say because it can come back to bite you later, which is a good way of society calling out stuff when it is toxic.
1: Absolutely. And I look now at my granddaughter, who is nine, and she is expressive and energetic and really enthusiastic. And I think to myself, do you know, that was what I was displaying. And that was the bit that I think was the irritation for this adult. And they wanted a mould of humility and modesty. And a lot of things I really struggled to <laughs> <laughs> So it was either continue and try and fit their expectation or in the end it was well actually I can't so I won't but I now am very sensitized to not wishing my granddaughter to feel that she ever has to be molded or feel that enthusiasm and just emotion expressing herself is I see is hugely positive not negative.
0: It's passion, energy, vigour. And it reminds me of that lovely quote, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Absolutely. It's really true.
1: Yeah, sit in the front row of your own life. (laughs)
0: Love that. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Yes, that that was um, the first time I really started to see that being different was an advantage. So trotting on through school and things, and we're along the beach a bit, and then the next watershed i think um, from feeling that i had to make huge thought and change and difference was um in the middle of my a levels so i'm in the middle of my a levels and i had a map of what was happening next and i had a place at westminster hospital and i was coming down to london i lived at the time up north near manchester and it was a big thing i was on my way to london and i was going to study and it was going to be all xyz and my dad Dropped dead. So when he died, my mother, as a consequence, attempted suicide, which was very odd. And it was odd because they'd been divorced for six years. So it was a really bizarre period of time that I found I was suddenly grown up. And the rug had gone, the foundations had gone. And it was a bit, it felt very freefall. So it was, anything's possible. Absolutely anything is possible. And in the chaos that came from sorting out, because there was a lot to sort out, um, I had this sense of, I still had to have, I still had to stay on track. I still had to find a way to get to London there was something about going to London that was somewhere in my head
0: and this is so in Ireland I, at the time was it you were in Ireland
1: no 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 we lived in, near Manchester
0: oh sorry yeah yeah
1: my sure. parent, my mum's background is Irish and there's yeah. lots of Irish family and I love the and I'm a bit about quirkiness and later is a thing about being Irish and the storytelling and the the feeling of a legacy is is very much from the probably a romantic view of the Irish but anyway there I am um, and I suddenly found that I no longer had a place because I had missed the opportunity and the interesting thing about not having a place is a lot of it was around financial and um stability so the conversations that I was having with the um placement and where I was supposed to be going was that I didn't actually have the money to pay for the accommodations and xyz and it just seemed as though they weren't taking any consideration of the circumstance the situation was you had to have xyz and if you couldn't tick those boxes then you couldn't start and I needed more time apparently to grieve and they had they had all sorts of expectations of what I needed. And all I could think was, well, where am I going to go now? What am I going to do? How is this gonna work? So I had a friend who actually got their place and they then moved into halls of residence. So I worked the summer to save up some money and then I moved down to London, (laughs) got a lift. When I think about it, I mean, dear God, if I thought of one of my grandchildren, Getting a lift to London. (laughs) Uh, So I got a lift to London and I arrived and slept on the floor of and various sofa surfing, apparently it's called. What didn't have that term then. (laughs) And I lived in the halls of residence like a
0: ghost for six months. (laughs) Very bold. I like that. I'm intrigued to know, did your mother land the right way up in the end in all of this? Oh, yes. Yes.
1: Oh, yes. Yes.
0: Sorry, I had to Um, ask that because I know that where it's your path, but you're leaving behind... Extraordinary legacy there of of the reaction to your father.
1: Absolutely. And we've come a long way uh, over many years. And uh, that in itself is a whole story. But her part in this particular walk that we're on, my particular day on the beach with you, um, she is just mentioned in that piece. Um, But, yes, she did. She went on and had a fabulous life. She was another force of nature, um, and I think the the suicide thing was a dramatic moment for her. Um, the idea of it, was it really about dying or was it expression of pain? Yes. Well, she went to Liverpool Cathedral, having taken the barbiturates and the alcohol, parked her car and sat in a pew. So it wasn't as though she was hidden. So I think for me it was, and having consequence conversations, it was a expression of pain. So it's it's an interesting thing, but as I said, it could take the whole of our time.
0: And there's some. Were you Catholic as well or Protestant? I'm just asking.
1: Oh lordy, part of the childhood thing and this business about being pious and moderate and um, sort of humble was very much the Catholic doctrine especially for girls.
0: And why I asked, by the way, was just that something in the DNA of your, mum, your mum's idea of sanctuary within a church, so to go yes. to that place. and
1: Absolutely. And again, that, that's what I mean about there being this history of Irish Catholic and this sense of right and wrong and this sense of um, being judged. I think that's a big part of it. It's, there is a sense of... I, I had a mental picture while I was young of God sitting there with a big book. And each day you had to work out which page you were on by the end of the day. Were you on the good page or the bad page?
0: The naughty step or the good step. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And it was a lot, a lot of responsibility, but I took it all very seriously. So it was it was very forming. It was very forming. So then I got down to London and I was able to get a roof over my head which was great by basically ghosting at the halls of residence we used to have to get up and I used to have to be out before the cleaners came in and if cleaners changed their day I was an extra person and they were suspicious that there was another person living there but it was all very and it became part of the groups which were I mean thank god for them um, the group became part of the conspiracy so that so I could work out what I was going to do next. So
0: you're you're a Westminster stowaway is what we're hearing.
1: <laughs> it was actually Saint George's in Tooting. Ah. St. <laughs> George's Hospital in Tooting. And I stayed in their halls of residence without paying for six months.
0: <laughs> Good on you. I mean, amazing the cahoots that were you're all in to make that happen. And that's great.
1: Absolutely. And I'd got a, a job, I'd managed to get a job because I needed to work out what I was going to do and how I was going to do the next bit because I wanted to continue education. And for me, that bit of education and being able to have opportunity was a huge driver for me. And so when somebody, serendipity and right place, right time and all that stuff, I got an opportunity to find myself at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. Of course I love saying that because of all the places in the world to end up, how did I end up there? God knows. But I believe I was meant to be there because I believe in serendipity and I believe that there is some sort of um, choices that you make that lead you to things. So when I got there, I started doing medical microbiology that was what my purpose was of being there and the advantage it gave me is you actually got paid a salary for the days that you worked in the labs so I had money coming in and they paid for your study perfect so I thought right this is it
0: And by the way, I'm intrigued. Did you ever legitimise your 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 stowawayness or was that just a period of?
1: (laughs) Yes. At that point, I had to. Well, I had money coming in by then. I'd actually started earning a living. (laughs) And by then, as a group of students we'd started looking at finding a student house that we could live in so i was still with a group of people but we were living very cheaply which was great that was the main thing
0: (laughs) and by the way there was the most beautiful story a couple of years ago about a definition of true true friendship and trust and loyalty which is a warren buffett thing which is uh, the benchmark and it's quite profound because of his jewish extraction and it, it, it reminds me because of your story and and the true true measure of you know profound seismic trust is would they hide me yes and yes I know that's incredibly profound because of the the Jewish story but um, your friend and I hope you're still (laughs) in touch with them who hid you and helped you be the ghost what a wonderful friendship because they hid you
1: (laughs) absolutely and the gang because there was eight on the on the floor that we were on and not one of them complained not one of them gave me away they were all complicit in it and it was it worked I mean the times I would sit in the main um what was the junior common room and we would have uh, donuts St George's Hospital donuts and coffee first thing in the morning fabulous and then I would sit studying in there and nobody quite knew who I was or why I was there
0: <laughs> oh by the way you should return to give a talk there I think that's such <laughs> a beautiful story
1: yeah, go and pay the, the fees. A building. Never going back in case they want the fees. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry, I've sidetracked you slightly, but back onto your, your path.
1: So I'm there at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine. And upstairs from the labs that I was working in was a legend. And this man was working there. And everybody kept saying, you've got to meet Gordon. And he was like their social secretary. And he set up these legendary weekends where he would take this group and they would leave on a Friday straight from work and then return on a Monday in the same clothes. And they'd have had a fabulous time. So I was sort of thinking, well, I like the sound of these people and I find them interesting, but how do you sort of get yourself so that you're part of a gang when in actual fact, I'd spent a lot of my time and my childhood being the outsider in groups. So I was a bit nervous about how I was going to sort of get in the in-gang because I'd never been part of an in-gang type thing. Um, so I met him and he made me laugh out loud. And I have been laughing out loud with that man for nearly 40 years.
0: <laughs> what so he, he was do you remember my what soulmate. He, what did he do? Do you remember what he did? Was it just his way of being or his quirk? What made, he, what made you laugh out loud?
1: He was the only... I met somebody who was so centred and he genuinely was internally referenced. So when he said, let's do it, I don't care, he really meant it. And if he got criticism or a negative comment and things... He would respond. He would just call them out on it and then walk away and leave it. And he genuinely was able to, I I just felt that he was someone who really had things in perspective. He had life in perspective and he was always open for the crack. He was carpe diem to the extent, but with a huge personality and would always be there for everybody. So that allowed him to be an anchor.
0: There was a delicious and expression, by the way, when you said he's internally referenced, you said. I love that.
1: Yeah, because yeah. he made his mind up about issues and does to this day. He makes his mind up about issues in what does this mean? Is it something that I need to do something about? Is it something I have to have some sort of moral judgment on or not and is it something i can just observe and he is able just to in a lot of times just be and i admire that he just allows things to be
0: and was he part of the fabric of the tropical yes institution
1: (laughs) oh lordy he had a wonderful letter that the professor himself wrote when he left working there and we got together and we set up together. Um, Gordon had to change jobs because we couldn't afford to live the pair of us on NHS salaries. (laughs) (laughs) So um, he decided to leave the NHS and find a job that actually paid some money. And when he was leaving, the professor wrote this letter and it was two pages of such a warm and witty and this guy was the professor and leading a mycological reference laboratory in London and he felt the need to write two letters and his leaving was almost a loss to everybody in the building and the stories that came out at his leaving do and it it was things like you know sort of um, you will be very lucky indeed to get Mr Russell to work for you (laughs) So yes, it was. It was. Um, he was a legacy in his own lunchtime. So he is was my soulmate, and we set up together, and have been together ever since. And we then had two boys, and we now have wonderful daughter in laws. My my sons did well; they did very well, and we now have four grandchildren. So and he still makes me laugh. He's still the person that. Gosh. He's, that's- behind me a hundred percent.
0: That is so wonderfully moving. And how long have you been together? If you don't mind me asking, I'm not trying to... Uh,
1: just on 40 years.
0: Congratulations. I love that he still makes me laugh. I love that. He does,
1: every psychology.
0: day. And isn't is it interesting, the psychology of a first impression. Um, as in Stan Laurel, who has always been a complete trailblazing icon of inspiration for me. I wished, I wished, I was only three when he died, but I, he's someone in my life that just changed everything because he just made me laugh. He still to this day makes me laugh out loud if I look at his yep. stuff.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's the thing. It is that total commitment and humour. Yeah. So, yes, that that's what sort of... What that, a great
0: tribute of. to to Gordon, by the way. I, I Bless
1: him. Better keep my voice down because he is only in the other room. So, you know, we his don't, want, we don't want him getting too too big for his boots now.
0: <laughs> and is that letter still somewhere to hand or is it? just Yes,
1: <laughs> yes I still have that. That's in um, when I got into careers and, and driving careers and things. And we had these books that you've got to put together with all your certificates in and everything else. So it's still in his book of certificates and everything. And we ended up having to encapsulate it because it got frail with the reading.
0: <laughs> Love that. It's worth framing by the sound of it because it's the Yes, beginning. it was
1: very, very, very witty, very funny and really captured him. So that was where I then had the opportunity to um, have a stable lifestyle. And I had somebody who was in my corner and really supportive of whatever I wanted to do. So... That was the point. When I decided that I was going to need more, didn't know what more looked like, Um, but I had an opportunity to join the pharmaceutical industry. So I thought, right, I shall see what that brings. So the thing that I was amazed at is the opportunity in that industry. Mm. So suddenly, symposias, I mean, when you're in the NHS, you... There is such a lack of funding for so many different things. It's not that there's a lack of money in the system. It's just often badly distributed and there's not a lot of joining up, which makes it quite difficult. So sometimes the energy and the money and the resources don't quite all knit together. Mm. But when I joined the pharmaceutical industry, I was able to go to symposias all over the world. And I found myself in lecture theatres with world-renowned speakers and I went out to dinner with them and it was suddenly learning on a scale that I wouldn't have normally been able to have exposure to. I was working in, um, we were developing and bringing to market um, an oncology, a cancer management product, Um, so they managed to orchestrate for me to have a three-month secondment With an oncology team and part of that oncology team was the Marsden team and they were so welcoming and what we worked on was fascinating and i would often find myself standing there thinking how did i get here how i'm part of this gang and we're doing these incredible things and we're talking about such interesting things so that was where i loved the opportunity in the pharmaceutical world, and while I was there, I met a person, and I will name Judy. So if you're out there, Judy, and you ever see or hear this, you were an
0: inspiration.
1: Um, She introduced me to neurolinguistic programming,
0: Ooh. which
1: then led me on to psychology.
0: <laughs> and what's Judy's second name, just so we've got a handle cranked there. So what's Judy's second I'm name? I'm
1: not going to give the second name. Oh, okay. In okay. Case, I'm a very I'm quite a private person and I would hate for people to be talking to her if I hadn't spoken to her first and I hadn't mentioned to her I'm doing this. I haven't been in touch with her. the donkey she is. It would be lovely to be back in touch.
0: Uh, a good That's given
1: to- me a whole thought as to what she's doing now. Um, but the neurolinguistic programming and what that was about and her generosity both in time and spirit because for the first time, we would sit and we would take time in the afternoon when we were doing something um, and she would work through some of this NLP stuff with me and it was her generosity in sharing her understanding and what it was that led me into doing it and inspired me into doing it and it was that with psychology that unlocked for me understanding people's behavior and motivation and by understanding that I was in a sales role and it was application of understanding motivation and the linguistic programming that came that got me in the end to being a global medical sales director we had 62 countries responsible for the ethical sales across 62 countries. And that this, was when. This is a 30 year started.
0: phase of your life that you're launching. Yeah. In. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah. And that was brilliant. So I'm traveling and I'm meeting people. I'm in different cultures. Uh, you know, it's sort of. We had to move to Holland. This is how I ended up in Holland because um, I was living in Bath and having to get up at the crack of dawn to get to Bristol Airport. Then you had to fly to a hub airport in order to then go on to where you were needing to go on to. Whereas Skeapal Airport, where the head office was, you walked downstairs, got on a flight on Monday to Russia, and came home on Thursday or Friday morning, and got into bed on Saturday morning, and then your life was back to normal again. And it was it allowed travel to be really, really straightforward and mm-hmm. simple. And the Dutch lifestyle and living in Amsterdam was a complete and absolute moment out of time as well. So, and for my husband as well, because he took early retirement so he could come with me because the boys by then were with their own lives and their own focus. So we were able to then travel together rather than him sitting here in England while I'm traveling around the world. So he joined me on that quest, which was great fun. So it was, um, A real window and opportunity to get out and about and part of the meeting people and traveling made me realize just how important it was for me to have an influence on my grandchildren so when they arrived and I found myself in Singapore and places where the time lapse was big I was trying to be a grandmother over zoom because it was zoom or it wasn't zoom in those days it was sort of it had only just come out that you could skype
0: yes you're being a trailblazing grandmother as well as a global ambassador
1: (laughs) (laughs) so i thought to myself and and they brought my so my first grandchild came to holland which is where the opa started so we ended up where we'd spend time in holland and i just felt it was too important i needed to do something that would allow me to be part of their lives. I wanted, if I was going to have grandchildren, I wanted to be part of their lives. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to be a grandmother that they knew. So I gave it up. I thought I'm going to have to retire, come back to England, do something else. And that was when another door opened. And this is where, when you're looking for something, it kind of happens if you're open to things. Mm -hmm. And by being open to it, I got a job job, role, post, um, I got the opportunity to be the chief exec of a group of hospices.
0: Which is where the and program that, is, uh, yes.
1: Yeah. So that was another five-year journey and remarkable as well. I mean, that that I learned so much in that time, again, about people and about what matters and things. So that was where I got a real sense of carpe diem. Mm-hmm. So anything that I think I need to be doing, or saying, I try and get it done. And I'm working on writing letters to my grandchildren. Um, because the carpe diem thing, you just never know what way fate is going to be. And the biggest surprise when running hospices is, you never know who's going to be on that fate. And even though I'd experienced it very painfully with my father dying and things of my mother and everything else, I still thought hospices were places for very old people. Mm-hmm. And I found myself working with families of very young people. Mm-hmm. And that came as a surprise and as I need to be sure that if I went out today and all that was left was a comment or whatever have I said what I wanted to say have I told the people that it matters to what I need to say to them so that I feel was the gift that the hospice world gave me was making sure I did those kind of things
0: so that was things are timely they're finite so if you need to state your truth without unwarranted doubt get on and state it be true to yourself carpe diem love all that
1: and that's what I think makes me open to when I met you a few weeks ago and we got talking and it was like, and you suggested doing this and it's like, absolutely, why not? And, I and mean, that's...
0: that resonates well with my own philosophy of my joy of comedy improvisation. It's this whole mindset of yes and. Yeah. If you say yes a lot more, a lot more can happen. Yes. Totally and... agree.
1: Totally agree. And they're the kind of things that inspire me. Creative people I find inspirational. I love connecting with creative people like yourself, because you make me come out of myself. You make me, um, it gives such pleasure to laugh, to listen to music and the idea that another human being can touch the emotions of another person. And they often do it without any means or, or safety net. I mean, if you're an actress or an actor or a musician or a comedian, you don't know when you're going to get paid again or how you'll make that happen. But that seems secondary. You'll kind of make that bit work. And I really admire that. That to me is, is really brave. That's the kind of inspiration thing that I just have. So it's, it's they're the kind of things that inspire me.
0: And Kate, we're doing, you're giving me alchemy and gold by the bucket load. We've got quite a few other things to bounce through. So yes. forgive me if I'm driving time a little bit. That, that's, um, the, that's the most extraordinary, illustrious, rich, sumptuous gallery of things that have shaped you. Uh, you've been implying stuff that's inspired you along too. So we're getting it. So uh, what about three things that inspire you and then two things that grab your attention?
1: Inspire me, creative people. Absolutely creative people. and. The other one is atmospheric places of learning. What I mean by that is I love Hogwarts. I love the library, the British Library. Sitting in a lecture theatre, I love the possibilities that being in a place of education brings. So I really like atmospheric places of learning. And then the other one is literally serendipity of meeting people. It's this being able to, if you meet somebody, take a moment or two to meet them and see if there's a connection there. It's it's the thing that I find inspirational. And then the grab attention is live music. Like you said at the beginning about the fact that you're drawn towards, (laughs) oddly, (laughs) table tennis tables. There's a story there. (laughs) And for me, it's trees and live music. So live music, if I hear live music or music, I have to investigate. If it's just music, I love music. If it's live music, I have to see how that human being does it, I have to stop. So if there's any live music anywhere, I get that attention. And the tree thing is, somebody pointed out to me that trees have been there for hundreds of years and imagine what they've seen in the time they've been. And so I love being near a really big old tree and just feeling, I mean, tree hugging. I just feel centered. When I'm near a big tree, I love trees. So that, there's,
0: that's a there's wisdom, there's wisdom in nature and wisdom in your nature is what I'm hearing there. I love that.
1: Yep. And then quirky fact. This is um, a moment of revelation. Uh, accents. I love accents. And I was born in Liverpool and my mother had this thing about accents defined you and could often confine you, that was her thing. So I now and after that, um, we weren't allowed to speak unless we spoke properly and it was etiquette and clear enunciation became important. Um, But ever since I've been fascinated by accents and I mimic. So if I'm with somebody who has an accent, I find myself (laughs) mimicking. When Which can be meet, really irritating because I might not be very good at it.
0: When As we meet accent. in person, by the way, we can riff because I love accents and we can <laughs> do a bit of echo terri, do a bit of bish bash bosh of listen and repeat. And I'll learn some from you too. I've moved around quite a bit in my life too, so I'm intrigued by how we how we blend in.
1: Absolutely. And that that to me is is the bit that I really, really like. It's that um, moment of people. People fascinate me and what motivates and fascinates me.
0: That's the most wonderful tree shaking. Uh, forgive me if I'm. There's. There, it's so rich. There's. There's more that lies beneath the ground, which is where we're coming onto diamonds beneath our feet shortly. So alchemy and gold. Now we're staying in the clearing, but moving away from the tree. When you're at purpose and in flow, Kate, with your wonderful wealth of experience and 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 wisdom in everything that you've been describing, what do you most like to bring to the world? What's your purpose?
1: I'm in purpose and in a zone and this is the Pass for Two connection piece, in when I'm able to work closely with somebody, and I now do uh, mentoring and coaching and leadership development based on the NLP concepts, but more on the emotional intelligence development. So I really have, I find myself energized when I'm working with somebody and they have a breakthrough. And that moment of their empowerment i get a massive buzz from so i am never been happier than what i'm doing now which is mentoring and coaching and even in this crazy time because of zoom i mean we can do it this way now so that that's my i'm a sense of purpose now that that's where i'm working at the moment that's what i'm doing
0: and again, that's such lovely resonance. Even the good listening to is because I thought of coaching as being exactly that, giving somebody a damn good listening to. But this has obviously evolved now to more of a sort of rich storytelling idea and constructing what we're doing. But I, I, I love the fact also that coaching's about nudging sometimes. You just nudge someone towards their own epiphany which is a, a wonderful gift to be able to bring to bear. Oh, you've gone very quiet suddenly. Just say- Oh, there oh, we go. are back changed. You just went, went mm-hmm. moment- Zoom's happened. got tired. <laughs> <laughs> we've all got Zoom fatigue, but this is so lovely. And now, uh, if I may, we're going to award you with a cake, and it's a multi-layered cake, nom, uh, nom, 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 from the point of view of you can put a cherry on the cake of this conversation. Uh, this can be um, a, the best piece of advice you've ever been given. It could be and or a favourite leadership quote or or some legend that's pulled you towards your future and then just to get a bit Shakespearean inspired by Shakespeare's all the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players getting a bit existential what's your legacy how would you most like to be remembered Kate Russell?
1: Wow okay Um, best advice and this was Judy Um, you are the sum of your beliefs so you can be restricted by them as well. So when I was uh, when I first started in the pharmaceutical industry there was people being promoted around me above me and and whatever and I went to her and talked about what's going on and she said you don't believe you can. And there's nothing more to it than that. What you believe and I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who who captioned it with if you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Love so it's that moment of why not you? So if you want to do something and you want to change what's happening, change what you're thinking, change your belief. So that that's the cherry. And then the legacy bit, um, I think to me it is I want people to if I had to leave something behind, it would be I took a moment and because I paid attention to them, I was able to make a difference. So it's that bit of connecting to another human being long enough and gave them space and connected in a way that I was able to make a difference. It's, 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 that. I
0: took a moment. (laughs) I'm just letting a bit of silence hang there. I love that. I took a moment. I listened long enough to make a difference is how I just experienced that. I thought that was absolutely delightful as a final uh, sort of legacy statement, if you like. Um, This has been your moment in the sunshine, Kate Russell, and (laughs) forgive me, it's been so rich and sumptuous in what we've been talking about. And I really do apologise if I've truncated anything. But as this is your moment in the sunshine, is there anything else you'd like to say uh, in the experience of our having you here in the sunlight of the clearing of the Good Listening 2 show?
1: I think what you're doing with good listening, you cannot underestimate how important it is to give people an opportunity to be heard, in any form so I think what you're doing is totally inspired so I'm, I think this is amazing absolutely amazing and the way it's about doing it as a story because ultimately that is all we have our stories so if no one hears it and you don't tell it to anyone did you ever really exist <laughs> so I think what you're doing is amazing love it
0: So you've been listening. We've been blessed with the presence of Kate Russell, the lovely Kate Russell, here in the Good Listening To Show and Podcast Clearing. I've been Chris Grimes. I'm gonna say goodbye to you now, and then I'll just do a quick sort of outro for the listeners on the UK Health Radio Show. But thank you so much for taking the time to, as I say, grace us with your presence. It's been a pleasure. Kate Russell. Just thinking
1: about this has been a lovely thing.
0: You're very welcome our conversations and accent swapping to be continued <laughs> <laughs> absolutely over a pint in a pub and bring bring gordon and what, what was the grandfather name again i so love it
1: Oprah.
0: bring, bring opa Oprah. Well, like you'll you be grateful.
1: another one who says don't forget to bring opa
0: <laughs> bring over in fact maybe i'll bring opa into the clearing as well and find out what all the fuss <laughs> is about okay I'll speak to you soon bye
1: thank you
0: bye You've been listening to the Good Listening To show here on UK Health Radio with me, Chris Grimes. Oh, it's my son. If you've enjoyed the show, then please do tune in next week to listen to more stories from The Clearing. If you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, then please do so. There's also a dedicated Facebook group for the show too. You can contact me about the programme, or if you'd be interested in experiencing some personal impact coaching with me, care of my Level Up Your Impact programme. That's chris at secondcurve.uk. On Twitter and Instagram, it's... At That Chris Grimes. So until next time, for me, Chris Grimes, from UK Health Radio, and from Stan... To your good health. Goodbye.